think I'll be fine. RT8K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Sean Kennedy. The headlines. Police say they've arrested nine people allegedly planning bomb attacks in the city. An international journalism watchdog brands the chief executive a predator of press freedom. And Carrie Lam seeks to allay fears over the implications of planned changes to the privacy law. Police say they've arrested nine people from a pro-independence group on suspicion of engaging in terrorist activities by allegedly planning bomb attacks in the SAR. They said the suspects are aged from 15 to 39 and include six secondary school students and a university staff member. Officers say they found a small amount of explosives and chemicals that could be used to build an explosive known as TATP in a Chimsa Choi hostel. They said they also found plans to bomb public facilities including cross-harbour tunnels and law courts. Here's Senior Superintendent Steve Lee from the National Security Bureau. The six of them is the secondary school student. They all have uh, some planning. Uh, at some stage to leave Hong Kong for good. So the group is uh, particularly interested in this group and recruited them to, to, to join the, uh, the, the port to do the sabotage before their departures. So far we have arrested uh, five males and four females for the offense under the Article 24 engaging in the um, terrorist activities of the uh, national security law for Hong Kong. An international journalism watchdog has named the chief executive, Carrie Lam, a predator of press freedom, accusing her of intimidating and harassing media figures. Vicky Wong reports. According to a report by Reporters Without Borders, Mrs Lam was among 17 new entries to a list of 37 heads of state or government who hinder press freedom through measures such as imposing draconian laws, jailing journalists or arbitrarily inciting violence against them. The group described Mrs Lam as President Xi Jinping's puppet and accused her of relentlessly targeting symbols of press freedom in Hong Kong. It accused Mrs Lam of a full-blown intimidation campaign against RTHK and of orchestrated judicial harassment of Apple Daily founder Jimmy Lai and former journalist and legislator Claudia Mo, both of whom were arrested and charged under the national security law. Others on the list include Saudi Arabia's Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, Hungary's Prime Minister Viktor Orban and Brazil's President Jair Bolsonaro. And the chief executive says proposed changes to the privacy law will only target the legal doxing behaviour where personal data is shared without consent. Speaking at a weekly news briefing, she said anxiety over the law would fade once it was implemented. An industry group that includes Google, Facebook and Twitter warned that tech companies could stop offering their services in Hong Kong if it proceeded with the changes. Meanwhile, the Office of the Privacy Commissioner for Personal Data said it would meet with the industry group to hear their concerns. And Mrs Lamb also says it's immoral for people to mourn a man who committed suicide after stabbing a policeman in Causeway Bay last Thursday. Some people have paid tribute to the assailant online and placed flowers at the site of the attack. Mrs Lamb said such actions could incite others to commit similar offences. One has to ask yourself whether it fulfills that um, moral standard for somebody to mourn a person who deliberately attacked and wanted to kill a policeman on duty. I think that's very obvious. You don't need a lot of public education to come to a view. And if that is immoral, then certainly I would uh, want to see Hong Kong people refraining from uh, conducting that sort of immoral acts, which might intentionally or unintentionally 
have the undesirable impact of um, inciting more people to do that sort of acts or behaviours. Three pro-Beijing heavyweights have been appointed as non-official members of a powerful new committee that decides who's eligible to sit on the election committee or take part in LegCo and chief executive elections. Their former Justice Secretary Elsie Leung, former LegCo President Rita Fan and former Chinese University President Lawrence Lau. The chief executive said described them as loyal to the country and committed to Hong Kong. The government says more than 3.2 million people have registered for its electronic spending vouchers as of 8 o'clock this morning. It said the relatively long waiting time to sign up via the government I Am Smart app was because many people didn't have accounts and were creating one at the same time, causing a long queue. From today, people signing up via the I Am Smart app must first separately open an account if they don't already have one. Overseas now, and at least one person died in a massive explosion at a chemical factory on the outskirts of Bangkok. Dozens of people were injured and scores of homes were damaged while households were evacuated over fears of poisonous fumes. The fire broke out around 3am on Monday morning at a foam and plastic pellet manufacturing factory near the airport. Authorities say 62 people were injured, including 12 involved in firefighting and rescue efforts. The number of people still missing after a landslide in Atami in central Japan has dropped to 24. Tens of thousands of tons of mud engulfed the hot spring resort on Saturday after heavy rain. Initially, more than 100 people were unaccounted for, but that number fell as the missing were traced and the Japanese authorities said 41 more had been confirmed safe. The mudslide is reported to have killed at least four people. Police in the U.S. city of Chicago say about 90 people were shot over the weekend when Americans marked the 4th of July public holiday. 15 people were killed, five children were among the wounded. Here's the BBC's David Willis. Holiday weekends tend to be especially deadly in Chicago and this one was no exception. Among the 89 people shot were a 12-year-old girl and a 13-year-old boy after someone opened fire from a car, leaving two others dead and two more injured. Other attacks saw people shot multiple times. Two policemen were injured as they attempted to disperse a crowd on the west side of the city. Across the country, the 4th of July weekend saw more than 400 shootings and at least 150 people are said to have been killed. The number of people known to have died in the partial collapse of a block of flats near the U.S. city of Miami has risen to 28. 117 others are still unaccounted for following the disaster. Search teams resumed operations after the rest of the building was demolished. The Surfside Mayor, Charles Burkett, said rescuers have been, un- have been able to reach previously inaccessible areas. Now that the damaged building is down, the site is staffed with a tremendous amount of search and rescue uh, workers. The heavy equipment is now able to move around the site as needed. The looming threat of that building, um, the dangerous um, situation where debris could fall down is now eliminated. So we're operating at uh, 100% uh, capacity. The British government has become the first to announce the scrapping of COVID restrictions while the rate of infection is rising sharply. In two weeks' time in England, rules on distancing and wearing a mask are expected to be lifted. But the head of the World Health Organization's emergencies programme, Mike Ryan, has warned against lifting restrictions too early. We would like to get back to normal, but the normal we're getting back to where everyone thinks that we can just go back to just doing everything as we've done before, I think this has been very premature. I think overall we've made a very premature run, rush back to full normality. And I think we're going to pay a price for that because we're not there with vaccination. The variants are really there. 
and we haven't protected enough people. Germany will ease tough restrictions on travellers from Britain, India, Nepal, Portugal and Russia that were imposed because of the coronavirus. The German Public Health Institute said from tomorrow the five countries would be downgraded to high incidence areas. Here's the BBC's Jenny Hill. Just two weeks ago, Angela Merkel was trying in vain to persuade other EU leaders to impose tighter restrictions on travellers from the UK. Now, Germany is to relax its own rules. The decision will no doubt be seen by some as a victory for Boris Johnson, who discussed the issue with Chancellor Merkel during their meeting last week. Others may interpret it as a concession to the demands of other European countries keen to welcome back British tourists. But the relaxation of restrictions may simply represent an acknowledgement on the part of the authorities here that the Delta variant is now fast becoming the dominant strain in Germany too. Negotiations are underway in Israel as the governing coalition tries to renew a law which blocks the path to citizenship for Palestinians from the occupied territories who marry Israelis. The legislation has been extended every year since it was introduced nearly two decades ago and it's due to expire at the end of today. Israel's new Prime Minister, Naftali Bennett, supports it on security grounds, but parts of his coalition are opposed. The country's former leader, Benjamin Netanyahu, who's now in opposition, has rejected Mr Bennett's appeal for support. Bennett and Lapid, you are the government. The responsibility is yours. Everything depends on you. You cannot form a government that is based on anti-Zionist forces and then come to us and tell us to save you from this fracture and failure. Reports from Iran say there have been further protests in a number of cities as the country suffers worsening power cuts during intense summer heat. Videos on social media show crowds gathered on ter- in Tehran, Isfahan and Shush. The protests also cover a range of complaints including water shortages and the non-payment of wages by some local authorities. Oil refinery workers in Iran have been on strike over pay and conditions for the past two weeks. Russia, Iran and Turkey have suspended diplomatic operations at the consulates in the northern Afghan city of Maza-e-Sharif as the Taliban makes sweeping advances across the region. The speed of the Taliban advance has raised concerns that the Afghan military will collapse once US and international troops complete their withdrawal. Here's the BBC's Yogita Lamai. As foreign forces are leaving, violence is rising and it's a very sharp escalation. The Afghan government and its forces are battling the Taliban in as many as 20 of this country's 34 provinces. We are hearing every day claims from the Taliban that it's taken over new districts. Over the last couple of days, we've particularly heard from the province of Badakhshan that they've taken over districts. We've also heard of defections of Afghan soldiers crossing over the border into Tajikistan to try to escape. The American film director Richard Donner, whose box office hits included Superman and The Omen, has died. He was 91. The Warner Brothers studio described him as a pioneer of the modern superhero, horror and action genres. The BBC's Adam Porter looks back at his life. Richard Donner began his career as an actor before becoming a TV director. After directing The Omen in 1976, he found international acclaim for his work on Superman with Christopher Reeve, often regarded as the first modern superhero film. His hits in the 1980s included The Goonies and the Lethal Weapon series, starring Mel Gibson and Danny Glover. Gibson said Richard Donner had a huge chunk of humility, referring to himself as merely a traffic cop, while Steven Spielberg said Donner was like a favourite coach, smartest professor and staunchest ally combined into one. 
Finance now and currencies. The US dollar is trading at 110.82 yen. The euro stands at 1 US dollar and 18 cents. The pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 78 cents. A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 28,015, 127 points down on the previous close. Turnover stands at $78 billion. Sport now, and we start with tennis at Wimbledon. World number one Novak Djokovic and eight-time champion Roger Federer both cruised into the quarterfinals with straight sets wins. This report from the BBC's Chris Dennis. With the traditional middle Sunday rest day set to be dropped from next year, this was the last ever Manic Monday at Wimbledon. 16 matches, 32 players, all in action on a single day. And it didn't disappoint. Roger Federer, who turns 40 next month, is through to his 18th Wimbledon quarter-final after beating the Italian Lorenzo Sonigo. It was Federer's 105th victory at the All England Club. Felix Ogialiassim and Karen Hachanov both came through five-set thrillers to reach the last eight for the first time, while Ange Jabeur continues to create history. The Tunisian came from a set down to beat Iga Sviantec and is the first Arab woman to reach the Wimbledon quarter-finals. Former champion Angelique Kerber is also through, too strong for 17-year-old Coco Goff. And both world number ones are also safely through. Novak Djokovic dropped just eight games against Christian Garin to make it Grand Slam quarter-final number 50. And Ashley Barty is into the last eight for the first time here after a hard-fought win over the French Open champion Barbora Krajcikova. In the Copa Americana, I'm sorry, in the Copa America, star forward Neymar set up Luis, Lucas Paqueta to score the only goal as hosts Brazil beat Peru 1-0 to qualify for the Copa America final. They'll play either Lionel Messi's Argentina or Colombia, who meet in Brasilia tomorrow in Saturday's final at Rio de Janeiro's storied Maracana Stadium. In the NHL, Josh Anderson scored twice, including the game winner in overtime, to lift the Montreal Canadiens to a 3-2 win over the Tampa Bay Lightning in Game 4 of the Stanley Cup Finals. The win kept Montreal alive in the playoffs as they avoided being swept in a final series for the first time since 1952. Montreal is hosting its first Stanley Cup final since the Canadiens won their most recent cup in 1993. And Australia AFP has reported that the Australian Formula One Grand Prix and MotoGP GP are set to be cancelled later today for a second straight year. The races were scheduled for October and November, but organisers have hit roadblocks over Australia's requirement for 14 days quarantine. And a quick look at the weather. Sunny intervals in the afternoon, isolated showers and thunderstorms, a few squally showers tonight, moderate easterly winds, occasionally fresh offshore. And the standby signal number one is issued. Currently the temperature is 32 degrees and the humidity is 72%. And to end the news, the top stories once again. Police say they've arrested nine people allegedly planning bomb attacks in the city. An international journalism watchdog brands the chief executive a predator of press freedom. And Carrie Lamb seeks to allay fears over the implications of planned changes to the privacy law. The news from RTHK. With music, news and information, this is Radio 3.